0: Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. I think I need to rewrite my sermon after that introduction. <laughs> it's always nice to be introduced by GCU alumni, so I appreciate that if you're here and you're from GCU. If you're from ASU, we'll still continue to pray for you. Uh, I'm just short introduction I'm Todd that's pretty much that. that's it yeah I'm, I have been an assembly guide pastor for 30 years I've taught at GCU for 12 years and um, I teach in the theology department so I teach Christian worldview I teach youth ministry classes because I suffer from arrested adolescence and so I relate well to them um I actually made a joke in our meeting this morning, and I'm sorry you didn't get it. it. I I have a hard time realizing when I'm supposed to behave myself and not. But my wife told me to be on my best behavior today, okay? And Josh asked me also to be on my best behavior, so... Which is very broad for Josh, Pastor Josh, so... um, (laughs) But anyway, so I have taught at GCU. I teach, um, as I said, Christian Worldview Youth Ministry classes. I teach in the healthcare department, spirituality and healthcare, teach bioethics. Um, So I get to teach all the fun stuff. I don't have to teach anything boring, Um, I don't teach Greek or Hebrew. I teach a lot more fun stuff than that. Um, Anyway, I I appreciate Josh giving me a call and, and letting me share with you this morning. I was reading an article recently, and it was talking about the benefits of short-term fasting, the benefits of nutrition, and it went on to say that there's new findings on how any type of fasting and meditation can realign your digestion, can recalibrate you at the cellular level, can cleanse toxins from your body, and can create new neural pathways that not only bring health to you, but they also bring more happiness into your life. You know, I'm so glad when science begins to catch up with the Bible. Can they just keep up with us as Christians for a little bit here? You know, so I thought, you know, if we, we can go back way into the Old Testament, and they knew the benefits of fasting and meditation. Um, we've been working on a project on just on meditation. Uh, we've been writing on spiritual formation this summer in our, our GCU blogs. And, and many times, we, you know, when we think about meditation, we think about this guru sitting on a mountain that's a Tibetan monk or something. But meditation was begun by followers of God. We started it, and we need to continue on with it. So I thought that was exciting to see how they're catching up. And I think that as they were talking about detoxing, we detox our bodies. The doctors, will, the doctors will recommend that we do a cleanse in our life or something like that. Do we spend the same amount of effort and intentionality in detoxing our soul? You know, how many of you just got gunk connected to your life this week? Just there's three of us. I appreciate your honesty. The rest, of I want you that raised your hand to join me. We're going to pray for all the liars in here, okay? And, but you know, we get this stuff that attaches to our souls, and it begins to hinder us in our prayer life. And all of a sudden, it's a lot easier To binge Netflix than it is to read the Bible. It's a lot easier for me to sleep in for thirty minutes than to spend thirty minutes with the Lord. It's a lot easier for me to snap at my wife because she had it coming, instead of just being kind and and reflecting Christ even within my marriage. Anybody else convicted in here besides me yet? Um, So. I want us to just briefly talk about how do we begin to detox our soul. It's interesting that in Luke, we see in Luke five sixteen it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. And I think in the humility of Christ, he knew the pain, the temptation, and the corruption that begins to accumulate on us in our life. Uh, we were driving yesterday And we were just talking about how many accidents we see on the road just because people were in a hurry. And it was just at that moment, within 50 yards, we saw three potential accidents right there. And I, I looked over my wife and said, see what I'm talking about? I mean, everybody's just in a hurry. Everybody gets angry. Everybody wants their agenda. Everybody wants to push their way forward. But I want us to look in Scripture this morning at Matthew chapter 11, the words of Jesus, Matthew eleven, twenty-eight. He says, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop. Don't read it on the screen. I want you to just close your eyes for a second. Everybody take a deep breath. Okay, now I want you to just listen. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if your neighbor fell asleep, elbow them. Because some of you are here early and some of you are here when you're supposed to be eating breakfast, I know. So I don't know which service you normally go to, but Jesus wanted to bring this this comforting rest in our life through a cleansing that we have from christ i believe that with all the pain and not just the pain we experience in the world but the distraction also that jesus is calling those who will listen to receive a detoxing of your soul what does christ want to do in the level of your soul you know if if article can say it can reorient your neural pathways you know what I need to reorient my spiritual pathways sometimes within my own life. So we have already been given a pattern to enter into this rest that I just read, you about, read to you. So I want us to go back to Psalm 30, 139 because the psalmist David already gave us a pathway that you probably already know in your life. In 139 verse 23 and 24, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. I think David saw this mystery of God searching for him, but God already knows us. God is omnipresent. God knows everything and he's everywhere. How is, he, how is David saying, search me, O God, I think as we begin to this process to willingly unveil ourselves to God, admitting that we don't have it all together, admitting our struggles, when we begin to do this, that God can begin to search and reveal things to us that we're not going to like, but will draw us closer to him and will bring us more into alignment with what he wants us to do. So how do we do it? What I want to do this morning for a few minutes is I want to take these two verses and I want to overlay them with each other. So I'm not going outside of the Bible, but I want us to take these two verses and interconnect them together as we begin to explore what God is calling us to when he really wants to make us what he wants us to be. So first of all, I detox my flesh through intentional vulnerability. Now I find in Christian circles sometimes that we we understand that we are people that we have been given authority by God. We've been given authority through the Spirit. We were given dominion over this earth by God, and but you know what? We were never given the power over the flesh. our flesh has to be submitted to God. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we overcome the flesh in our life. So, I do not win the battle of my flesh through my strength. I win it through my weakness. We see in, in the assurance that the Lord gave to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 8. He says, for my power, God's power, is made perfect through your weakness. You know what? I need to stop trying to be stronger I need to just say, Lord, I'm weaker than I've ever been before. Yeah. You know, I had a lot more answers as a pastor when I was 25 than when I'm 35, like I am now. I want to go to the young adults thing. I still feel like I have a right. In First Corinthians 10:12, it says, if you think you're standing firm take notice. Be careful that you don't fall. I think I'm doing well today. I feel like I'm strong. I feel like I'm connected to the Lord. And all of a sudden we walk out the door and the world's waiting there for us. You ever have a day like that? And it seems like you're almost stickier for the corruption of the world, the temptations in the world, the pain of this world to stick to your soul And you end up crying out to God because it's our vulnerability that detoxes our flesh, not our strength. So we begin then by looking at the words, search me, O God. That's a very, very challenging prayer. And we see the words of Jesus. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. If I want to be searched by God, I'm going to realize that I'm weary, that I'm burdened. I have a challenge for you this week. I want you to think about how many conversations or take, keep it to a total of how many conversations you go through that do not mention someone being tired or stressed. So how are you doing? Oh, I'm so tired. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so stressed out. Or maybe I should do it this way. Here's your homework assignment: Do not let weariness or stress enter your conversation for a week. You won't have much to talk about, I'm afraid. (laughs) So, the first thing I want us to do is, when we look at these fixtures of scriptures of "Search me, O God, and know my heart. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened." We first must to address when we address our flesh of we must address why we do what we do so many times we just want to we want to address this is what i need to do and this is what i not should not do but let's stop for a second and ask ourselves why do we do the things we do my deep motivation is what drives the rest of my life so it's not just the action but it's the motivation behind all of it what is my motivation in my life why do i respond the way to i that i do Maybe when we do the personal introspection within our lives, and we begin to ask ourselves, why am I fill in the blank? Why am I sad? Why am I angry? Why am I depressed? Why am I lonely? Why does my life seem unfulfilled? We begin asking these questions within our life, and we have to address these issues in our heart and begin to realign our perspectives on God. So that is the searching of God as he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Now, here's the challenge, is that when we start searching our heart, we start searching the hearts of everybody else around us well, I'm depressed because of this person, or I'm angry because of that person said something to me, or uh, my life is unfulfilled because of this person or that person, or this event, this happened in my life, therefore I feel this way, or I act this way. None of that has place in a mature Christian's life. Stop it. Oh, I forgot. Josh told me to be nice. Okay, so, but stop it anyway. You know, I think that when we start with everyone that has wronged us, we miss the whole point of personally being searched by God. When I want to say, search me, I have to admit I was wrong. I'm going to be selling, celebrating 30 years of marriage in a couple of months. I do not know very many people my age, at 35, that um, have been married for 30 years. Because they gave up. I see where the hecklers sit. Uh, I put up with GCU students before. I, I, <laughs> you know, how many things have, how, who have I wronged? How many things did I say out of line that I should not have said? What do I then need to make right in my life? These are the things that when we ask God to search our hearts, he is going to begin to expose this ugliness of sin in each one of our lives. We look back at the lawsuits in the Corinthian church that Paul is addressing in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And he says the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you've been completely defeated already. Then he says something very important to the church. He says, why not rather be wronged? Well, because we should not be wronged. Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. You know what? The walk of faith in our lives, when we want to allow God to search us, we relinquish our rights and we relinquish our entitlements. You know what? Somebody's going to be wronged. Somebody's going to have to do more and more work in the church than everybody else. Someone's going to have to do more work in the family than anybody else. And we have to decide how are we going to live our lives? Are we going to allow this reflective work in our life to change us? And we're just going to live willing and vulnerability to do what God's called us to do. Or are we going to continue to live by entitlement within our life? I really believe in the church today that somebody is going to have to start acting like Jesus for these issues to change. Somebody's going to act like Jesus. You know, and I can, can, you know, it's nice because Pastor Josh is gone, so I can say a lot. Um, I've been a pastor for a long time, and some of the things that people say to their pastor because they are in pain or because they are hurting, they don't realize the implications in your own pastor's life. I know that you have a pastor that loves you. I know that you have a pastor and his wife that are dedicated to you. Treat them well, pray for them, support them, and, and have them help you through the pain of your life without putting them in the crosshairs and encourage them because they carry your burdens too. Yeah, yeah, right, too. Secondly, if I only focus on man's rules, I miss kingdom values. See, when you were growing up, think about it for a minute. Were you taught rules or were you taught values? Many times we are only taught rules. I was brought up in a, a Pentecostal conservative home. We were taught you get, you obey the rules or you get a spanking. And we lived in that era, and we, we got it, and I earned it most of the time. But when, when we look back at our rules, we look back that the Old Testament was a faith in God of rules. Thou shalt not. But then when we look in the New Testament, we see that Jesus did not just say this is the rules. He says, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets Now I want you to live by values. Here's the values. Let me make it really simple for you. Love God and love others. And all the rules are taken care of in their lives. You know, if you ever drove in the car with your kids and you had to say, okay, here's the line in the seat. Don't cross that line. You know, we've given them a rule, but many times we haven't stopped to say, you know what? Stop hitting your sister. She doesn't like it. And we start missing. We need to teach our kids values, not merely rules. Our approach to the Lord needs to be about value. I want to serve Jesus, not be just, just because I'm afraid of being struck by lightning. Yeah, right. I want to serve Jesus because I have a loving relationship with one who gave his life for me. And that's why I want to grow, and that's why I want to develop. That's why I want to address these things in my life, and my flesh. What is my motivation for good? Because rules require a response of fear of punishment, but values require a response of identity and value in our lives. So Jesus gave us the example of how to govern our hearts. When he revealed his character, he says, For I am gentle and humble in heart. It's this gentle, vulnerable posture in our own lives lives, when we begin to reflect Jesus that really helps us to address our flesh and we detox our flesh. Because Satan only has power over you in the areas of fear, of pain, of entitlement, of these areas that he can just hold, of sin we keep in secret. But when we open ourselves up and we say, Search me, O God, and know my heart it takes away all this, the power of Satan within our lives. Secondly, I detox my mind through reorientating, reorienting how I invest my thoughts. See, I must rigorously control what I dwell on, which was revealed in where I invest my time. If you want to know what somebody's thinking about, watch how they spend their time because guys can we talk about baseball and basketball and football forever but when we start talking about the Lord the conversation might just wane just a little bit not in this church but in other churches I visited it's like that not with these guys you get so excited about the the breakfast I said or you're frightening your child I uh, you made my whole day I almost fell off my chair I was laughing so hard David says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon it. You know what? You can't take on the yoke of Christ if you're carrying your own yoke still. So I take off what I am laboring for, and I begin to labor for Jesus. And I take this on within my life. So this is my battleground of the soul. Jesus taught this in the parable of the sower and the seed when he talked in Matthew 13... He talks about the parable, this parable, and he says in uh, chapter 13, verse 22, he says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, we don't have those problems anymore, right? They just had those problems 2,000 years ago. Anybody have worries about this world? Anybody worried about the direction of our world today or how things are going or how I'm going to pay my mortgage or how I'm going to live my life or what's happening to my kids or any of these things? Am I going to keep my job tomorrow? We get all these worries, and we miss out on what God's called us to be. See, this is what happened in this illustration of this seed. The focus was still on the world even though they wanted to serve the Lord. Seed cannot germinate in your life if you're still thinking about the world all the time. So I am not going to watch 6 hours of Fox News every night just to find out what's going on in the world. I'm not going to do it. I here's my here's my challenge to you. Spend as much time in God's word as you do watching the news. And then tell me if you're depressed about the world. Because you know what? I'm excited for this world because I know who holds the answer. I, and I may not even know all the issues that are going on right now, but I do know who holds the answer. And what I put my mind on, what I put my thoughts on, that is what's going to be life-changing for me. We get too caught up in the what-ifs and we get so controlled by these things in our life that we, we are just incapacitated for doing what God's called us to do. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and following, it says... Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you worry at a single hour to your life? You know, we worry about all these things of life, and, you know, I, I, I don't know a whole lot about birds, but we got three big dogs. And you know what? I watch our dogs. Our dogs get up, they eat, they play in the morning, then they lay down for about 10 hours while it's hot. And then when the sun starts going down, they get up and they play and they eat and everything. I'm like, you know, a dog's life is a really good life. You know, my dog does not care who's president. My dog is more concerned that the air conditioner is on in her bed than she is about who's in control of the country. And you know, I think it's a good lesson for us. Not that we're not interested in our political structure. After all, this is this is our Independence Day weekend. And we need to celebrate America. We need to see this profound miracle of our Constitution and of America. I almost I was gonna preach today on on the value of our our constitution biblically but i'll I'll have to do that next fourth of july Uh, i felt the lord wanted me to share this with you because we have we are living a miracle that has never happened since the beginning of time and we need to be thankful for our country and if you don't agree with our country is our country is always always going to struggle we've had very bad times we've had very good times our country's always going to struggle because it's run by broken people right. all of them are and you know what they're governing broken people I am one of them right. yeah. so we pray for our country but I'm not going to stew over this because things go in a cycle and God is going to have his way and we can be assured of that So that brings me to my second point of I choose what I think about because my thoughts will control me. My thoughts are going to cause me to live in fear or they're going to motivate me towards greater things in my life. The discipline of thoughts in life is the foundation of deep godly character. Do you want to know Christ better? You need to discipline your thoughts. See, Jesus gave us permission to not have it all figured out. Because he just says, my burden is light. So I detox my mind. I take all the cares and worry off my shoulders, and I begin to meditate on him. I put on his yoke, and I begin to rest in him. And that is when David said, test me and know my anxious thoughts. He says, God, you need to test me on this. You need to remind me that what I am evaluating, what I'm focusing on, has little to do with my relationship with Christ right now. And I have the power to change that with my thinking. The next one is I detox my actions through embracing responsibility. Now, we don't hear this word very often because everybody gets a trophy and, you know, we always mold the rules around and we don't want to talk about responsibility very well, but I'm going to anyway. David says, see if there is an offensive way in me. And Jesus says, learn from me. This is a real interesting thing. You know, I, 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 I wanted to do this before I preached this morning. I just, guys, I just am too weak. I just did not have the guts to do it. But I wanted to take this phrase... And I wanted to go to my... This is my wife, Debbie, by the way. She's sitting back there. She's wonderful. She's awesome. She's put up with me for a long time. And um, I wanted to go to her and say, okay, I wanted to say, Debbie, is there anything that is offensive to you about me? And I thought about this on Thursday. So I figured by the time she got done with her list, I would have missed church already this morning. Um, Do we really have the level of responsibility in our life to say, you know what, is there anything offensive with you? Now, I'm probably going to get back in the car after church. He's going to say, you know, you brought that point up. By the way, I developed a list. You know, we are by nature offensive people because we are sinners. And we are by nature offended people because we are sinners. And we need to stop both of them. You know, people are always going to offend us, and we're always going to be offensive. Can we minimize that, though, through Christ giving us a new level of responsibility? So what I do is I relinquish habits and actions and behaviors that may reflect evil. What are the things you do in your life right now, as a Christian, that reflect evil? Think about it. The things you watch, the things you say, maybe even the things of the amount that you ingest... I, I'm preaching myself, just like any of you, too. You guys are, you guys are like GQ our church. You guys are so pretty. I preached in some ugly churches, but you guys are pretty. Now i can tell you where I was last week. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, Avoid every kind of evil, or vo- avoid the very appearance of evil. But you know what? When sin attaches to my soul, it's because of temptation. It's because of depression. It's because of vulnerability. It's because these things are evident in my life that I have not dealt with. And it pulls sin into us. So I have to avoid the very appearance of evil. I, it, it can appear evil. And the Holy Spirit is right there with us to show us this is not right for you if you want to follow Christ. I... I I use the, you know, I'm a, I'm a wild-eyed Pentecostal at GCU. And so half the time they listen to me and half the time like, we are scared of this guy. Um, but, um, but I even talk, talk to my students when they, because they ask questions. They've been, they've been raised in Bible churches many times in the area. And I start talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And they are like sponges because they want the teaching that you take for granted every week. Don't take it for granted. You have a good pastor. Listen to him. And, and when I talked to him, I said, you know what? The Holy Spirit's kind of like Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio. You know, Pinocchio's going to go and do whatever he wants. But Jiminy Cricket's right under his shoulder saying, Pinocchio, you should not do that. Pinocchio, you should not say that. Pinocchio, you should have this behavior. That's the way the Holy Spirit works within our lives, guiding and directing us. If I don't feel like I need to change anything in my life, then I have a problem maybe even with my salvation, not just with the Holy Spirit. When you think you're standing firm, take caution because you may fall. See, I have to be willing to give up my personal agendas that reflect poorly on Christ. You know, everyone in this room has an agenda you do. You might wear it on your hat or your teacher t-shirt or your bumper sticker or you might try to get get it in subversively, but everyone in here has an agenda. And sometimes we can cloak that calling it is my calling from God. Well, it might be, but everybody has an agenda. And we need to be cautious that our agendas are aligned with the with the character and the calling of Christ not just in our personal whims within our life. I can say that because I'm not here next Sunday. (laughs) But you need to be, okay? Okay. Just because it it seems right does not mean that you're going about it the right way. There's some things that we try to do right but it may not be the right way in which we are doing it. I can be highly offensive sharing the gospel with lost people and completely turn them off from the gospel. And I, in my mind, can say, oh, I'm leading people to Jesus. No, you're just making people mad. And we start to galvanize people against the gospel when we have to take a step back and look at the fact that, you know what, when Jesus walked this earth, He never sinned. He lived pure the whole time. But yet, tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and publicans and all the dregs of the earth, they were attracted to him. They invited Jesus to parties because they weren't going to be condemned by him. They were intrigued by the love he was able to give them. That was evangelism. And I know, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir to you because I know you serve your community. I know you love your community. You're laying yourselves down for them. Thank you for doing that. You are an encouragement to so many other churches, but it's hard. It's hard work because it takes away from binge and Netflix. It takes away time. It's hot out when you start serving people in summer in in this area. But you know what? That is what makes the difference. We show the love of Christ. You look like a man or woman of God. You might even be respected in the church, but how are you seen at home? You know, I I had to learn this as a pastor. Pastoring teenagers is a really interesting thing because your whole identity is on the chopping block at lunchtime. You know, my kids would sit back there and go, Dad, you've gone long enough. That's enough. And, you know, but, you know, my kids are wonderful. They're serving God. But, you know, we can, we can feel like this, we're this great man or woman of God. But are you a man or woman of God at home? Are you a man or woman of God when you go to work tomorrow or, the next, or Tuesday? Are you a man or woman of God when you're all by yourself? Because that is the true test of deeper character of one who follows Christ. See, Jesus showed us His pattern to do His work by assuring us that my yoke is easy. Let's not try to make this hard. You know, the more I just live and surrender to the Lord, the more I make myself vulnerable, the more I say, "You know what? I was wrong. I take responsibility for my actions. The more I say these things, the more God is going to be able to use me, and the more I reflect His character to the world around us. And lastly, I detox my attitudes. Through humble surrender. This is an intentional resolve in our life for a pattern of living. David says, and lead me into the way everlasting. And Jesus said, and I will give you rest. You know what? The rest that we receive from Jesus Christ is from the things that I relinquish. I get rest in my life because I've given up these aspirations that this world levies on me. The world, you know, am I driving the right car? Am I, I have the right clothes on? Do I have the right hairdo? Uh, All of these things. And none of you even cracked a smile at that at all. (laughs) Wake up and just give me some perfunctory chuckles at least because... But, you know, we we look at all these things and we try to position ourselves to make sure that we are accepted by the world. But let me tell you, friends, the world is never going to accept you. And the more you draw closer to Christ, the more the chasm is between you and the world. Why would we ever expect that? You know, Jesus came and they killed him for it. So why would I expect any different for myself if I'm trying to reflect Christ? But he says, I will give you rest, rest. So I resolve to lead in following. Do you want to be a leader in this church by being a follower of Christ? Do you want to be a leader in your family? You do it by following Christ. Do you want to be a leader at work? You do it by following Christ and prioritizing him first. See, my friends, we need more role models that are champions of the faith. And I tell you as a college professor that we do not have enough spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers that are mentoring young people into a deeper relationship with Christ. We feel like if we can just get them from not being an alcoholic or having sex by the time they're 18, that they're going to be good for life. When we need to mentor them into profound men and women of God that will be world changers, they need you. And just because they're not your children doesn't mean they don't need you. You know, Hillary Clinton even agreed that it takes the village. It takes a village to raise a child. That's probably the only thing I agree with her about. But she had a point. Now you see my agenda coming out. See, I told you. It takes all of us to nurture and develop. And love people into the kingdom. And we can do this. You don't have to be a spiritual giant. You just have to care. That's right. yeah. It's all you have to do and give of yourself. I cannot be the master of my destiny and a Christian at the same time. I cannot control my life and be a Christian even if I choose the pattern of my Christian development and my Christian ministry, I'm still grasping at fleshly development within my life. I was reading a, a Finney's book on revivals this past week, and he says, the problem with the church and praying for revival is we want to have revival in our communities so that we can have a bigger church or so that we can have a bigger following as a leader. We're not praying because we're crying out for souls. We just want to have a bigger church and all God's people said ouch see when we come to a deeper faith with the Lord in Luke 16 it says no one can serve two masters either he's going to hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other then he goes on to say you can't serve both God and money or you can't serve both God and security we have to just understand that we are the Lord's no matter what that means to us so I resolved myself to conform my character. By the end of this year, are you gonna look different as a believer? I remember when I was in kindergarten, and that was a long time ago, and uh, we drew our, we laid on the floor on this paper and we drew out our bodies on this paper. Now, I hope that I look differently than that silhouette that was drawn on the paper. I think I, I, I'm bigger, I'm quite a bit bigger. But you know what? If, if we drew your spiritual silhouette out on the paper, would you look different at the end of this year spiritually? Or are you that same imprint and there's no change made? What does God want to do in your life to detox your soul? I'd like the worship team to come up if they would, please. <laughs> See, God loves you enough that he's not going to leave you where you are unless you choose to stay there. I think there's too many in our church that have chosen salvation, but they haven't chose discipleship. they've, They've gotten themselves out of hell, but do you truly want more of the Lord in your life? The Lord doesn't want to leave you where you are, He's going to give you guidance. He's going to give you teaching. He's going to, he is going to do radical surgery in your heart if you will allow him to. You know what? That surgery can be painful because when I have so attached myself to the world, to pull myself out of the world hurts because you know what? I like to please my flesh. Is there anybody else in here like that? I love it. You know, I go to Whataburger, and it's just like heaven has come down. I told my wife, I said, you know what? I can eat Whataburger, and an hour later, I could eat it again. It's like Chinese food. It just doesn't stick with you. And she goes, yeah, it sticks with you all right. Uh, how much of Christ do you want in your life? How much has the pain And the suffering that we see each and every day, or just the distractions and the deceptions and the temptations of this life, how much have they attached to your soul? And we don't notice it at first until it just starts showing itself in all these small areas. And we lose our passion for Christ. We lose our our passion to be committed to other Christians and committed to our church. We lose it in disciplines within our life. And when we take a step back, we just realize that it is the things of this world that are so distracting us that we are not capable of giving ourselves further to God. What we need is a detox for our soul. We need that time with Christ. Because this greatest assurance from Emmanuel, God with us, is the knowledge that Jesus promised this earth-confusing, pain-shattering truth that you will find rest for your souls. No matter what we face, your soul's gonna be at rest. No matter what happens in politics or in economy or in my family or in my own personal health, no matter what happens, I will have rest because I found it in Jesus Christ, not in the things this world can give. So my my question for you today is how are matters of your soul? How are matters of your soul. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, you know, Todd, the, I have not heard this this way. I don't know whether you're new or, or you've been coming here for a while. I'm new just like you. But maybe this morning, the Lord's tugging at your heart saying, you know what? You need to begin a recalibration of your life and you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ. Jesus died for all of your sins to give you a clean slate and let you start over new. Is this morning the morning where you begin the detoxing of your soul and giving your life to Jesus Christ? If you're here this morning and say, you know what, I've never invited Jesus into my life to be complete control of my life. If that's you this morning, i could like just slip your hand up because I want to pray for you. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Okay. Maybe for others of us here, you say, you know what? I've been serving God for a long time. But you know what? Maybe it's just been this past week. Maybe it's accumulated over a long time. But you say, you know what? I need to detox my soul. I need to just clean the slate once again. There's some things that I just need to surrender to the Lord. Maybe it's pain in my life. Maybe it's an offense in my life. Maybe it is just worry about what is happening in my life today. I want to surrender that to Christ so that I can hear from Him clearly. If that's you this morning, I'd like you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. I appreciate you raising your hands. You can put them down. The the worship team is going to sing this song. And I'm going to put the mic down so nobody will hear. But if you would like, if you raised your hand from either of those times, I would love it if you would just meet me over here. And I'd like to pray with you this morning. I'd like to encourage you. Because I tell you, every week I need to remind myself that I need to detox my soul. We need this in our lives. And if you raise your hand this morning and you wanna invite Jesus Christ into your life for the first time, please come. Let me pray with you. And let's begin a journey, a spiritual journey together that the Lord's gonna do in your life. It's such a privilege to be with you. Thank you so much for worshiping and, and just letting us all experience the presence of God together, please come. Let me pray for you. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.